Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Don Ma in for Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, a lawsuit triggered by a pro-democracy flyer. A message supporting freedom in China was allegedly followed by threats dealt on a campus in Boston. A look at the trial involving two Chinese students at the Berkeley College of Music. The Chinese regime is reportedly lobbying diplomats at the United Nations, asking them to praise its human rights record. The revelation comes amid a key UN meeting examining Beijing's track record. Faced with slumping stocks, Beijing is making attempts to slow its market from spiraling. From restricting stock sales to state investments, how are investors reacting? And two fashion giants face off. Japanese brand Uniqlo is taking on Shein for what it calls a million-dollar copyright infringement tied to a flagship product. A trial is kicking off in Boston tied to a music student from China studying at Berkeley. That's over charges that he allegedly threatened to chop off an activist's hands, all because she posted flyers supporting democracy for China on campus. The activist posted a photo of the flyer on Instagram. Wu allegedly demanded that she take down the flyers and said he reported her to authorities back in China. An assistant U.S. attorney called it a serious threat, as Beijing has been upping its pressure to silence critics abroad. Human rights groups have also heightened Beijing's efforts to monitor Chinese students overseas. They also note the threat that poses to academic freedom. Wu was arrested last December. He pleaded not guilty. Wu's attorney said his comments were just part of an immature online dispute between two young people. If convicted, he faces up to 10 years in prison and an up to $500,000 fine. As global investors in China head for the market's nearest exits, Beijing is reportedly considering a rescue package to prop up its stock market, backed by over $270 billion. Will it work? Financial experts weigh in. Following Beijing's rescue package news on Tuesday, Chinese stocks saw an initial rise, but later changed direction, slipping lower and ultimately stabilizing at a flat level across the board. Back to Beijing's plan, according to a Bloomberg report, Chinese state-owned enterprises will use their offshore accounts to purchase shares onshore through the Hong Kong Exchange Link. Beijing also plans to mobilize $42 billion in state funds for investment in Chinese stocks. Portfolio manager at All Spring Global Investments, Derek Irwin, gave his take on China's effort, saying Beijing may just continue to kind of throw cups of water on the fire. Bloomberg strategist Marvin Chen echoed Irwin's view, saying, quote, state buying alone has historically had limited success in turning around market sentiment. On top of the rescue package, Beijing is also reportedly expanding stock selling restrictions for some insurers. The regulators told at least two state-owned insurance firms on Monday not to sell more onshore shares than they bought. The last time similar measures were taken was by the U.S. during the 2008 global financial crisis. From hope to hesitancy and now a total halt, why do global investors appear unimpressed with Beijing's economic rescue package? Here's what you need to know. It's not just 2024 that's seen a bad start for Chinese stocks. It's been an uphill battle since 2021. 
Over the past three years, about $6 trillion has been wiped off the value of the Chinese and Hong Kong stocks. That's roughly twice the value of the UK's entire GDP. What's more, China's CSI index, an indicator of Chinese stock markets, has lost nearly half of its value since 2021. While Hong Kong's index, which lists the shares of many big Chinese companies, has sunk nearly 50%. Now, in contrast, Japan's Nikkei index and the U.S.'s S&P 500 are up 24% each. Moving to the real estate sector, investment giant BlackRock is reportedly looking to sell its office towers in Shanghai. And to speed up the sale, the New York-based asset manager is offering a 30% discount. That's as office rents in the biggest Chinese city have dropped close to a decade low, reflecting the sluggish property market in China's economy. A spokesperson for BlackRock declined to comment. At a major layoff, Bank of America reportedly announced job cuts for 20 Asia-focused staff members Tuesday. The most affected positions? China-focused bankers. The news comes amid plunging markets in China and Hong Kong, weighing on deal prospects for investment banks. The U.S. bank is the first major global bank to downsize its regional banking operation this year. A Bank of America spokesperson declined to comment. A group of diplomats say the Chinese regime has been lobbying other countries to praise its human rights record. The revelations came ahead of a key United Nations meeting Tuesday, where China will face questions and criticism over its actions in Hong Kong and Xinjiang. According to the diplomats, China's mission at the UN in Geneva had been sending memos to envoys from other countries. A note seen by Reuters reads, I would kindly request your delegation to render valuable support to China and make constructive recommendations in the interactive dialogue, taking into account the friendly relations and cooperation between our two countries. The Chinese envoy reportedly targeted non-Western countries. An African diplomat speaking on condition of anonymity confirmed having received a request and said he would do as asked. Today, China is in the hot seat as the UN Human Rights Council holds its universal periodic review, which all member states must undergo every five years. The agency will publish a list of recommendations later in the week, and a report is due in June or July. The Chinese regime in the hot seat as the United Nations reviews Beijing's rights record Tuesday. More than 160 countries registered to take part in the discussion. What cases did they make? Here's a closer look. The Chinese regime faced rare scrutiny of its human rights record at the United Nations. This UN review is the first since a 2022 UN report said the detention of Uyghurs and other minorities in Xinjiang and northwest China may constitute crimes against humanity. The UN's permanent representative issued recommendations, including to stop the persecution and detention of Uyghurs and Tibetans and allow freedom of religion or belief as well as repeal the national security law imposed on Hong Kong by Beijing. An extraordinary high number of more than 160 countries, some critics of Beijing, some allies, registered to take part. That meant each country had a maximum of 45 seconds to speak. 
Here's the Canadian ambassador. Canada recommends that China, one, implement the recommendations set out by the CSCR and CEDAW and all coercive measures imposed on Uyghurs, Tibetans and other ethnic minorities, including forced labour, coercive labour transfers, forced sterilizations, and mandatory residential schools. Two, ensure Hong Kong upholds its obligations under the ICCPR. Three, repeal the current national security law in Hong Kong and discontinue all cases against individuals charged for exercising their human rights and freedoms. Four, end all forms of enforced disappearance targeting human rights defenders, ethnic minorities and Falun Gong practitioners and five, grant the UN including the OHCHR and special procedures full and unfettered access to all regions of China including Tibet and Xinjiang. Canada also notes with concern the increasing extraterritorial repression of human rights defenders. It's a speed reading exercise for some ambassadors to get all their points in. We wish to recommend that China first and the criminalization of religious and peaceful civil expression by ethnic and ethno-religious groups, including Muslim Uyghurs and Buddhist Tibetans and Mongolians, under the pretext of protecting state security. Second, repeal Hong Kong's national security law, ignoring fundamental rights and freedoms, and end intimidation and attacks on human rights lawyers and journalists. Third, stop cross-border kidnappings and intimidating Chinese citizens living abroad. Beijing denied any human rights abuses. Chen Yu, China's permanent representative to the UN, said the freedom of religious beliefs of Chinese citizens are safeguarded. Washington's envoy repeated the US accusation that the Chinese regime is committing genocide. A million-dollar lawsuit, all because of a small fashion shoulder bag. Here's how China-linked retailer Xi'in going involved. Japanese retailer Uniqlo is suing Xi'in for copying right violations, targeting one of its most popular products. A canvas bag called the Mary Poppins bag. It's sold for about $20 to customers around the globe. A product that appears visually similar to Uniqlo's bag has appeared on fast fashion giant Xi'an's website. Uniqlo filed the lawsuit in Tokyo less than a month ago, saying the company has endured over a million dollars in losses because of the copyright theft, and demanding Xi'an pay the same amount in damages. Chinese automaker BYD is planning to hand out more than $280 million to boost its sales. The money will be paid out to Chinese dealerships as rewards for those that met their 2023 sales targets. This, according to Reuters, citing dealers with knowledge of the matter. The company sold a total of 3 million electric cars and plug-in hybrids in 2023 and in the fourth quarter. BYD outsold Elon Musk's Tesla for the first time ever, besting the brand in total electric car sales globally. Despite that win, U.S. investor confidence in the company is not necessarily high. One of the most prominent global investors, Warren Buffett, has sold more than 60% of his stake in BYD since 2022. Buffett is believed to have been cashing in on his BYD stock due to geopolitical tensions in the region, with a focus on Taiwan under the Chinese Communist Party's war threats. On top of that, the U.S. recently banned the Pentagon from buying batteries produced by BYD as well as other Chinese companies starting in 2027. Over in the UK, human rights group Hong Kong Watch warned Europe last week about risks posed by BYD. It comes after the company announced the establishment of its first European factory in France. Hong Kong Watch also warned about Chinese telecom company Huawei. The tech giant is planning to launch its first European plant in Hungary. 
Both companies have deep links to the Chinese Communist Party. Hong Kong Watch says the European Parliament should adopt a resolution outlining security risks posed by companies with ties to the Chinese regime. Specifically, it's human rights violations in Hong Kong or Xinjiang, a region the Uyghur ethnic group calls home. More than one million Uyghurs have been subject to forced labor in camps there. A report from the Australian Strategic Policy Institute accused BYD of being involved, saying it did business with the parent of a subsidiary that had used Uyghur forced labor. Next, is a crisis in the Taiwan Strait likely to break out in 2024? That's the assessment from 87 top U.S. and Taiwanese experts, according to a new survey. But what would that scenario look like? And how should the U.S. handle it? We welcome Captain James Fannell, former director of intelligence at the U.S. Pacific Fleet, back to the show for insight. Captain James Fennell, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Tiffany. When it comes to understanding a strategy, there have been some, including the president of Taiwan, who are saying that China has too many internal troubles, noting the economy, the protests that we're seeing, the high youth unemployment. How do you read that? Is that a way of guaranteeing China wouldn't attack, or was that actually a springboard for China to attack and unite the country? I think the outstanding issue is do the people of Taiwan recognize the, the, the threat and how visceral and how imminent it could be, and that they have a responsibility if they want to maintain their democracy and they want to maintain the freedom to be able to have the careers that they want, that some people are going to have to stand up and say that's worth fighting for. China has appointed a former Navy chief as its new defense minister. How should we read this move? No, this uh, is a very significant uh, uh, event in the PLA's history. Uh, it's the first time that a serving career naval officer has been appointed to re uh, lead the People's Liberation Army, which has traditionally been a ground-oriented, land-oriented uh, uh, position. And it gives kind of reflection of the PRC and the Chinese Communist Party's vision. It's a reflection that the strategic shift in the Chinese thinking, and they're showing that they're not just internally looking towards land warfare or warfare on their borders in ground operations, but they're actually looking globally. So appointing these two uh, admirals uh, to these two positions, obviously you're gonna have a Navy admiral run the Navy, but to take the Navy chief and now move him up to be the head uh, as the, basically the senior advisor to Xi Jinping on all things related to the PLA is a strategic uh, moment in the PRC's history, and it should be something that U.S. leaders should take note of. How do you see that relating to Taiwan? So China's been working on joint warfighting for uh, concepts and planning and execution in their exercises for a decade, and Admiral Zhang was on the leading edge of that, and now he's in charge of the PLA. So this is very serious uh, uh, threat uh, for uh, Taiwan because it demonstrates that the guy leading the PLA today has been spending the last decade of his life at least operating and organizing and planning joint operations on how to take Taiwan and defeat the United States Navy. One of the things that was noted by one of the, our analysts was in December of this last year, Admiral Dong headed a convocade, a conclave of PLA's most senior officers, PLA navies. And in this six-day training event, uh, it can be reduced to a single theme, 
make all necessary preparations to defeat the U.S. Navy in great uh, uh, power war at sea. So this is what Dong, as the head of the Navy, was leading the Navy in. Now he's leading the nation in this same kind of thinking. Given all the topics covered today, any final thoughts you'd like to share? My message to the people of Taiwan is you, you have a great system, you have a great country, I've been there many times, the people are free, uh, but the price of freedom isn't to do nothing. You have to pay for that. It's better today to provide uh, for those guarantees to provide deterrence against the PRC invasion uh, than to uh, suffer the consequences. And next, we would like to shine a light on a topic requested by one of our viewers, Patrick Kirkland. He asked us to cover Americans currently detained in China. So who are these individuals? Now, first up, American businessman Mark Swyden. He's currently on death row with a suspended death sentence. Swyden was arrested in China over a decade ago on drug-related charges. He's been held in Chinese prisons since then. Then there's American pastor David Lin. Lin was originally from China and became a Christian after coming to the U.S. He later went back to China. Lin was active with house church activities there and was arrested. He's said to be released in 2030. And another is Li Kai, a naturalized U.S. citizen born in China. He was detained on a 2016 visit to relatives in Shanghai and is now serving a 10-year prison sentence. And just this May, China sentenced a 78-year-old American citizen to life in prison on spying-related charges. China didn't give the details. The State Department has warned Americans to reconsider travel to China. Now, don't forget to tell us what you think of today's show. Thanks for watching. Coming up, a major earthquake striking parts of western China. Three people are dead, with several more injured. We have an update on the situation. A pledge for $45 million in aid and a top U.S. diplomat's visit to Africa. More on Washington's push to counter growing Chinese and Russian influence on the continent. And Chinese-made surveillance cameras soon to be installed in 200 buses in an Australian state. What security concerns is it rising? More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Don Ma. A 7.1 magnitude earthquake hit western China Tuesday. China state-run media say three people have died so far and five are injured. This video shows residents waking up from the tremble and rushing out to escape. Plus, commuters running for the train station's exit. More than 12,000 people were evacuated from affected areas. And the death toll from a massive landslide in China has risen to 25. The landslide hit villages in the southwest of the country Monday. So far, 19 residents are still unaccounted for. Another two were hospitalized for injuries. The landslide happened in the early morning in Yunnan province amid freezing temperatures. It's still unclear, though, what triggered the disaster. With a $45 million pledge, Washington is boosting ties with key partners in Africa. America's top diplomat, Anthony Blinken, met with the Ivory Coast president Tuesday, promising the funds to help fight conflict in West Africa. That's as the competition for power heats up in the area. China's influence on the continent is growing, and many African countries also have friendly relations with Russia. The Ivory Coast would prove critical for U.S. efforts to maintain regional stability. 
this country and Ghana from the first line of defense against the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda from the north. The terrorist organizations have killed thousands of people and displaced millions more. Blinken is set to visit Nigeria and Angola during his Africa trip. Soon, buses in the Australian state of Queensland will be fitted with Chinese-made CCTV cameras. The state's government move has raised security concerns. Chinese tech company Hikvision has formed a contract with the Queensland government to supply surveillance cameras to 200 rail replacement buses. The Queensland Transport Minister told media that as long as the company complies with Australian law, there is no issue at this stage, but said he would ask his agency to keep a close eye on the situation. Some have concerns that the cameras could give the Chinese regime access to sensitive data. That's because Hikvision is closely linked with the Chinese regime and its military. In February 2023, the Australian government ordered the removal of Hikvision's internet-enabled cameras from federal government offices. They cited national security concerns. Marriage rates are plummeting in China, with many young Chinese facing an uncertain economic future. Could events for masquerade matchmaking be the solution? Let's zoom in. Would you attend a masked party to find the one? That's the idea behind this matchmaking event organized at an upmarket jazz bar in Shanghai for wealthier, top university-educated singles. Entrepreneur Victor Lee is one of the participants. He is determined to get married. But like many other young Chinese grappling with uncertain economic outlook, he isn't sure he can afford to. It's very expensive for us to get married, especially in a big city like Shanghai. For example, if we get married, we need a place to settle down, and having a house is definitely an essential. In terms of financial ability, it actually puts a lot of pressure on young people, including myself. The reluctance to tie the knot is worrying policymakers. China is grappling with a decline in birth and a rapidly aging population. The country's fertility rate is currently one of the world's lowest. Local governments have announced various measures to encourage people to form new families, including tax deductions and housing subsidies, as well as cash rewards for marriages if the bride is aged 25 or younger. Still, many wealthier Chinese are choosing to stay single due to poor job aspects. Youth unemployment is high and consumer confidence is chronically low. That all led to a record slump in marriage registrations in 2022. Julia Meng owns the company that organized the mask matchmaking event in Shanghai. From what I've observed, people over the age of 35 seem to just give up. They give up the idea of getting a partner. They may feel singlehood could be pretty good too and find a balance. But the group of people who don't want to be single are usually between the ages of 30 and 35. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Don Ma. If you have any feedback on the show, or have something you would like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.